0: Hello and welcome to Bubbly Bibbly, the podcast about books and bubbles, literature and
1: libations, authors and alcohol. We love books and bubbly. We are friends who offer a curated book review section on our website and a hilarious podcast. We discuss books, drinks and stories from our lives. I'm Rachel and I am Carmen. Rachel,
0: I am I'm weird. And this is a
1: revelation, how <laughs> seriously, Rachel? What the hell? Well, okay. First of all, you're an only child. <laughs> well, this is not a bad thing, it does have an effect on your personality. Mm-hmm. Second, mm-hmm. you're super smart and very quick witted. And as you have said for yourself, have a healthy lack of respect for everyone. Mm-hmm. And third, I've never met anyone like you, and in many ways, and mostly good ways.
0: Well, <laughs> I wish I could argue with any of those, but you're very right. So tell me what happened, girl. Okay, this is big. So I'm not going to go into it until after we talk about what we're reading and drinking. But <laughs> suffice it to say that it's about something I realized I was doing while listening to an audio book.
1: Hmm. All right, girl. In this episode, Carmen and I are going to talk about physical reactions to books. Since we're talking about physical reactions, I am drinking a Goosebump cocktail. Goosebump? Got it. Oh, I love that. It's, well, it's blueberry schnapps, peach schnapps, and gray goose vodka or vodka. But, you know, I don't have blueberry okay. schnapps, so I use the blueberry simple syrup, peach schnapps, and vodka. So, sometimes you have to, like, adjust okay. your cocktails, but...
0: I didn't know you could even buy blueberry schnapps. I, I think you probably
1: could, but I don't know.
0: Well, that's just liquor, 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 so it's a good thing you're using blueberry simple yes, syrup Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been on a Manhattan kick lately, but uh I did want to tell you I have started a fresh batch of milk liqueur. Okay. I got to I got to yeah. get to
1: John on this.
0: Yeah, milk liqueur. I the last batch that I made is almost gone and I have to tell you it just adds a big something special to any cocktail that you use simple syrup mm-hmm. in. So you you can search for it online and figure out how to make it. It's super okay. easy and it's super delicious.
1: If you say so, girl. Well, I, <laughs> as you know, I am knee deep into the Glass Throne series by Sarah J. Moss. I am in the last book, Empire Storms. It follows... Selena Sardothian, who is a teenage, teenage assassin, who embarks on this epic journey. And it really does have this Lord of the Rings kind of feel about it. Um, And it's got a lot of quick wit. And I just love the interactions between the characters. It feels very naturally Mm -hmm. written. And I'm just nonstop Mm -hmm. reading mode with this series. So I'm almost done. I like that. You know, in the
0: the episode where we talked about the series uh, that we didn't want you to miss, you know, we talked about the fact that some series, you just are meant to read one right after the other. And that's this series. Yeah, it is. I
1: just, I want to, I want to see what happens. So.
0: Well, the, um, I, I told you in the last episode that I put down the Mitford affair, but before I put it down, it did reference, uh, one of the characters in it is a leader of the fascist party in Britain. And again, he was a a real character and I mean, a real person. (laughs) He was a real character. (laughs) He he was a real person. But um, that made me remember that I have in my library, the Philip Roth book, uh, the Hmm. attack on America. And so I got that book out and I am reading it. And the premise of it is Um, the, the guy, I don't know what's wrong with me. The guy who Lindbergh, that's it. Uh, Charles Lindbergh is nominated for, uh, the presidential election running against FDR. And Charles Lindbergh, I don't know if you know this, but he was very cozy with, with the Germans, with the Nazi Germans. And this Book is told from the perspective of a Jewish family living in New Jersey. So it's it's really, really interesting so far. It's a very dense book, so I can't read my 100 pages a day, but it is, it's right. very
1: good. Well, that sounds awesome. So... You do have me very curious about this, though, so I can't wait to hear what happened to you to finally make you see how weird you are, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here's how it went down. I was driving to work, listening to an audiobook. And I, I can't remember which audiobook. So let's just say it was A Very
1: Typical Family by Sierra Godfrey. Which was, by the way, the July title for the big library read. And if you don't know, this is an ebook and e-audio program that connects libraries all over the world to read the same book at the same time with no waiting lists or holds. You can do it through the Overdrive app.
0: It's a really wonderful program and everyone should read their monthly books just because you don't have to wait on them and they're always pretty good. But now back to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to this audiobook while I was driving and I realized something startling. I will sometimes mimic what is going on in the book. So for example, okay. <laughs> if, the, if the text says she gasped, I will gasp. She okay. it's like and then Sarah gasped and I'll go Oh, <gasps> <laughs> that's or awesome. That's, or if it says he looked to the right, I will look to the
1: right real quick. It's freaking bizarre, Rachel. Are, do you do that when you're reading a book? Like sitting down reading? Sometimes. I do not. I do not. Okay, so it's audio. Reading is a very physical thing though. I mean, it's it's phys- I don't think it's physical like working out or getting on the treadmill, but it's physical in that many readers are are very particular about where and how and with and what they do when they're reading. And you can see evidence of this through all the posts on Books bookagrams or TikTokogram or any social media.
0: And you know, I did a quick search and there are photos of a book laying on the beach or reading in bed with your little dog lying beside you or a book on a blanket surrounded by candles and pine cones. People go all out for this. But where you are, what you're surrounded by, the lighting, minimizing interruptions, it, it
1: makes a big deal. Okay, but back to you. <laughs> I think you're right. That is a little weird. But along <laughs> the same lines as me throwing the book across the room, the me before you at the end, because I was just so upset. That was definitely a physical response. I also gasp when something happens though, or exclaim. If I, if I see this plot twist coming, I'm like, Oh, I know what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. I was, when I was driving down to Tuscaloosa and I was reading, um, Oh, uh, that the hate you give. Mm -hmm. And I burst into tears when the, the big thing happens at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's just a physical thing. Well, and and
0: I guess that's what I want to unpack in this episode. I know that not all readers would agree that books can have a very emotional impact on us. But I want to talk about some of the physical impacts that a story can have.
1: Ooh, I really like this. Well, let's start with my physical response to the emotional reaction from the Jojo Moyes book, Me Before You. Why did I feel like I needed to physically toss the book? I mean, I think I was totally invested in the character, Lou, Louisa and Will, the, the two couples, um, you know, Will is this had been in an accident. He was paralyzed and he was going to, um, you know, do the um, the medicated dying and she was his caregiver And they kind of, you know, they fell in love and, and I just was really hoping for a different ending. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I was just sitting there crying and so, so mad at Will and this decision he had made that I just threw the book. I was like, oh, man. Mm hmm.
0: Um, but you know, that makes me wonder too. I didn't read the book, but I've seen snippets of the movie as, as I'm scrolling through the TV and Louisa really respected his decision and was, was very supportive the whole time. You know, it's, I I just really feel like she, I could have, she could have Argued with him. She could have um tried to talk him out of it. And and you know, she probably did in her own little way. But then at the end, she respected that he had made this decision and she was there for him through the whole thing. And and I really love the way Moyes handled that. Did you what did you think about that? I, I thought
1: it was good. And I, I liked that his family was supportive. Mm-hmm. She was supportive to a point. I mean, there were parts of her because you know they did fall in love and there were Mm -hmm. parts of her that were like you know you could do this you could still have a happy and meaningful life I understand your decision but you know what I mean like that was her internal thinking but you know yeah I thought it was very respectful
0: do you remember that series I talked about a few episodes ago? It was the Patrick Bauer series by Stephen James. Mm-hmm. The, the writing on that one was so detailed and compelling that I was completely drawn into a particular scene. And the premise was a man was seeing how far he could manipulate a woman into acting based on a statement or suggestion he would give her. And it turns out it was pretty far. I literally had to put the book down and go get a glass of water because it made me physically nauseous. But it was really important to the storyline and it
1: was a very good book. Okay, so this is a very interesting topic. So let's talk more when we come back.
0: There's another reading phenomenon that I discovered called secondhand emotion. This is when you're reading a book that causes your own mood to change. And you were talking earlier uh, about a book making you cry. This secondhand emotion is not just a crying jag when something sad happens. This is a direct response to the storyline. This is where you are going about your day and you suddenly feel sad or anxious or, or some other emotion overwhelmingly. And after you think and consider about why you feel this way, you figure it out. It's because you just found out that Beth has scarlet fever and you know it's not going to end
1: well for her. <laughs> right. Those, I feel like those kinds of feelings all come from very good writing. Mm-hmm. You're just so engrossed in the story that it doesn't leave you, even when you're busy with other things. Just just recently reading As Long As The Lemon Trees Grow by Zulfa Katal. Katal. Oh, she's amazing, though. I was so engrossed in the story about the Syrian revolution. And, you know, I at one point I did have to put the book down because it was just so intense. But... Then I came back to it and it was just so well-written. The story is about a young pharmacy student, uh, Salama, who was nothing short of spectacular. The book is all wrapped up in this grief and sorrow that they were living day to day with, but with the hope of something better. It was, It's one that still stays with me. Well,
0: I remember you really struggled with the book, um, not only keeping with it, but also afterward because it had such an effect on you.
1: It was uh, Uh, still to this day, knowing that people really did live through mm -hmm. something like that.
0: I think this kind of strong response may be more common, though. I know that a lot of readers have to take a short break if they have just finished a very demanding book or one that was very emotional. The last time this happened to me was when I finished listening to the audio of Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. It mm. it was such a beautiful book and so engrossing that I just didn't want anything to take its place. I wanted to live with it just, just a little bit longer.
1: I think not reading after a book like that is a very definite physical response to an emotional reaction, which is interesting because it's not that you're choosing not choosing to do something, but choosing not to do something based on your reading experience. You know, like, just let me let that sit with me for a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm going to talk about another
0: reaction that I experienced that you are not going to like. What? Mm -hmm. I was was reading Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yay! It was at night. I was in bed, and I was at a particularly stressful part of the story. I closed the book, put it on the side table, and I never picked it back up
1: oh Girl, carmen it hurts my heart but i get it sometimes you're just not emotionally ready for the for the book or the story or where it's going the goblet of fire um it opens with a bunch of murders which is right off the bat it the series just goes into this darker part in the book. So I I get that. Well,
0: you and Margot Robbie uh, would have the same reaction. I saw her interviewed on the Graham Norton show and she found out that Daniel Kaluuya hadn't read the last book. And she said, she, she stopped everything. She said, are you kidding me? You read one through six and you haven't read the seventh? And he said, yes. And she said, are you actually kidding me? I am not going to be able to sleep tonight because of this. (laughs)
1: who would think that me and Margot would have anything in common, but here we go. (laughs) Me and her BFS. (laughs) (laughs) You know, another book that I had a physical reaction to that was just so hard to read was the nickel boys by Colson Whitehead. Mm. Um, this was a story based on a true telling of what happened. Um, Coulson describes life in a reform school from the point of view of a young black teenager. It's based on the real life Dozer School near Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, It's all about racism and abusive practices that the authorities used on these young men. And it was appalling to say the least. And Colson Whitehead did such an amazing job writing this story. I know it was difficult for him to write and to learn about it because it was difficult for me to read and learn about it. So,
0: well, it, um, I have that book in my library and I did some research on the real life, School, and I kind of know what the book is about. So I, I just don't feel like I can read it right now because of the way it would make me feel. There's so much going on in our country right now with race relations, um, so many things that are not getting better. And I, I do think it's very important to know that part of our history. But I just really would love for the present to change for the better before I delve into how awful the history is because it's, it's kind of still like that for so many people.
1: When we come back, we will talk more physical reactions. Now, this is a different part of physical reactions to books, but we have to talk about it. One of the real and historical reactions to a book is book Hmm. burning. (laughs) This goes way back as a way for a new ruler or conqueror to get rid of one that was just Deposed mm-hmm. of. So they would burn the scrolls and the history and they would burn any evidence of their predecessors. Yeah, that reminds
0: me of the renowned Library of Alexandria. We know that it existed because there are writings about it, but no one really knows what happened to it, but it was completely destroyed. And you have to wonder if the fires that were set by Julius Caesar spread uh, to the library un- unwittingly.
1: Many ancient burnings were just from war, where lands were being conquered. But then we enter into a time where burnings occurred for religious re- reasons. Um, we go to World War II, and there were many Jewish writings that were just destroyed. And artwork, not just books. I mean, anything Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the 21st century, mm-hmm. Harry Potter Books were burned by numerous Christian organizations, churches, and parent groups.
0: I have always thought that was so ridiculous, especially since I watched Bewitched as a child and never wanted to actually be a witch. But uh, it's one thing to know that the Nazis burned books. But if you read that in the 70s and in the 70s, an American school burned all of the copies of Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five that they had. It, It was it's sobering. It feels like freedom of speech, which is burning versus freedom of speech, which is the ability to read the book.
1: But is burning a book really freedom of speech? (laughs) It's more like freedom of expression. There's no speech involved. It's a physical, it's like, it's an expression, physical expression. Anyway, that's a bit of a rabbit hole that I don't think we need to fall down to. But let's get back to what started this whole thing, which was, you mimicking what the audio characters <laughs> were doing. Yes. And
0: uh, uh, I will have to tell you, I was completely validated when a search on physical responses to books led me to Reddit. So Reddit. <laughs> Reddit. Oh my gosh.
1: You went down a rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Reddit comes through again. Um, a number of people have done this same thing. They snap. When a character snaps their fingers, they smile when the character smiles. It's that we get so wrapped up in the story that we're acting it out. It's really no different than an actor or actress acting out scenes from a script. It's it's just for an audience
1: of one. But I love that. I Sometimes I do the same thing when something is about to happen and I know like the two characters, like the two characters that you've been reading for are getting together and he- they're like, oh, and a small smile comes over his face. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, I get all excited about what's about to happen. And I think that is so that's what's so lovely about reading and listening and being enthralled in a story hmm. It's it's so important to note that just throwing a book across the room, it's a symbolic gesture. It may not be a productive way to handle <laughs> my emotions, but I think engaging in discussions and writing reviews, which we kind of talked about earlier, or even just taking a moment to reflect on your feelings can be more constructive ways to process your thoughts and emotions after reading a book
0: and the sound of
1: our cheering fans means it's time for listener comments what household chores do you hate elizabeth susan and leah hate doing bathrooms Ugh. janetta and deborah hate dusting amanda and katie hate doing dishes And at least three of you have housekeepers. Yay. Good for you. (laughs) I
0: loved the answer to our Facebook group question on what decor items from the past make you smile. Leah still has the lava lamp given to her as a Christmas gift when she was 10 years old. I love that. I know. And Lori has, uh, she posted a picture of one of those very cool Grecian woman statues and it's surrounded by by fishing line that the oil drips down. And if you are of a certain age, you know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: That was an amazing picture. It was so
0: cool. Yeah, I did ask her if she had that in her collection, but alas, she does not.
1: Let us know what you think of Carmen's weird habit of acting out characters' actions. Do you do anything like that? I won't call you weird just Carmen. (laughs) I'm interested in
0: finding out if any of our listeners do this because I already know that other people do it. Thanks, Reddit. Uh, And it's not weird, Rachel. It's an
1: immersive experience. Oh, well, we want you to immerse yourself in conversations in our Facebook group. If you haven't joined it, just search on Bubbly Bibbly in the Facebook groups, ask to join, and you can be part of our reading community. And I promise that I'm going to add some book reviews on the
0: website soon. I have been writing them. I just need to find a chunk of time
1: to transfer them over. And remember, Benedict Cumberbatch said, I can feel infinitely alive, curled up on a sofa, reading a book.